1: Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today I'm joined by Dr. Allison Danby, and we're talking about a topic that I think everyone can relate to, autoimmune fatigue. Our conversation dives deep into the main drivers of this symptom that 90% of those with autoimmune conditions experience. We all know that most with autoimmunity experience fatigue. Dr. Allison explains the why for us from labs to causes to action steps. You don't want to miss this episode. Allison, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation today.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here.
1: I always love to ask, you know, how did you get to be the autoimmune guru, right? Because... (laughs) I'm guessing that wasn't your intention when you were younger. I know most of us, I'd say 98% of people I talk to on the podcast have our own health journey or that of a loved one that that brought us into this world. So I would love for you to share a little bit of your journey with us.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I was a high school math teacher before this aspect of my life. And I really missed health. I really missed interacting with people from a health perspective. And so I went back to school and became a naturopath. And it wasn't until my last year of school that my health took a turn for the worst. And I was diagnosed over over a course of a year to two years with repeated requesting of testing and information and wanting more answers and not getting them. Um, I finally got a Hashimoto's diagnosis. And that was very scary to me. One, because I was in healthcare. So I knew the consequences of having an autoimmune condition And that's kind of like your introductory, like if something's going to go wrong first, a lot of times it's Hashimoto's, which then leads to more severe autoimmune conditions. And so I was doing everything within my power to just control it. It took me about 18 months to get it under control and knock on wood, I've been in remission since, and that's been about 15 years. Um, But that's not what really got me into autoimmune, funny enough, because I was kind of ashamed and embarrassed that here I'm naturopathic doctor and I've got my own health condition and don't tell anyone because this is like, you shouldn't be sick. And all these stories that I had going on in my head, but what actually got me really into autoimmune, because I used to work with people with pain and physio clinics and educate on pain and all that was I had a couple of clients come to me and they were very frustrated, overwhelmed, had just been diagnosed with autoimmune conditions and their doctors were telling them there's nothing they can do. Absolutely nothing they can do. And I'm like, well, that's that's not true. And so I share my journey with them. And the more that I shared, the more, one, that it inspired people. And two, it allowed me to dive in and be like, okay, well, what is what, what can I do? Like, I'm here I'm telling people that I was able to do all this with mine. So what are the what are we able to do with all these other autoimmune conditions? And that kind of is what opened the door, which is hearing my clients struggle and just being told there's nothing. Like, here, just take this and that's it. And let's just hope it controls it and, and nothing against medication, but there's so much more that we can do to make the medication more effective and to reduce side effects and all these other things. And so that was about 10 years ago. And then that just, I've just really jumped into autoimmune and loved every single moment of it, helping and working people through this and just optimizing how they feel to improve their quality of life.
1: Well, as one of those people, I say thank you because I was told there was nothing I could do and, and I believed it for over yeah. a decade. And so I just love that that was your inspiration, not not even just your personal journey. And I'm so excited for literally everybody with autoimmunity, no matter what it is, can relate to fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so I am I'm always excited to talk with you, but I'm extra excited about the topic of conversation today because it's such a I, I feel like it's often the first symptom and it's it's something that doctors tend to discount. Yeah. Especially if you're that classic woman who comes in and, and I can't tell you how many clients of mine were told, well, of course you're tired, you have kids or. You know, and so I'm grateful that we get to talk about it today. And I want to start there. What is the difference between I'm tired
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: I am experiencing ongoing fatigue?
2: Well, there is a big difference. A lot has to do with the mental capacity too. So what what the research shows is that 90% of people diagnosed with autoimmune actually experience fatigue. And it's some of the earliest signs that they're experiencing. So it's, it, and so many people, myself included, and I probably, I bet you hear this all the time is, well, it's just, it's just this, or it's this, I got this going on. I've got this, I've got three kids. I just had pregnancy. I'm yeah. going through menopause, whatever it is, it's just this. And so we keep chalking it off. And then what will happen is a lot of doctors will then start running labs. Okay. Well, let's check your iron. Let's check your thyroid. Those seem okay. So then it's nothing. It's stress, or we get diagnosed with depression. Yeah. So fatigue and so fatigue and tiredness, they do have an overlap, but for a lot of autoimmune people, what they're noticing is that there's a change in mood associated with it, lack of motivation. And that's one of the big triggers that are associated with depression. That's why a lot of people are getting diagnosed with depression when it's not depression. It's it, it, And depression does have a lot of similar characteristics, like an increase in inflammation anyway. So there is an overlap, but we're seeing a, a, a change in mood, change in motivation, change in social activities. That's one of the big markers is people are not going out as much people. And, you know, we had COVID here. So all of us were kind of forced to stay in inability to perform activities due to the level of exhaustion. One of the ways that I always describe, there's two things that I remember from when I was in a flare. One was mall eyes. And I call it mall eyes because your eyes get so tired. Like, you know, when you're walking through the mall after a day and your eyes are just burning tired. So that to me is one of the signs that I know for my fatigue when things are getting out of control. And the other thing is just this heaviness. It's not just tired, like yawning a lot, but it's just this heaviness that we experience. And that's one of the key characteristics of early stage autoimmune. Now, if you have the heaviness, it doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you're going to get autoimmune, but that's what a lot of people describe it as is this muscle heaviness, no energy to actually do things. And when you're doing them, you're even feeling more depleted. And so limited physical activity inability to work. And it just, it is a little bit different for everyone, but it's more of the energy aspect. Like you can't even get energy. So for people that, for people that don't have kind of that autoimmune fatigue, what they'll find is when they go out for a walk, they feel energized, they feel great. Right. For those of us that are experienced or that are in that autoimmune fatigue or in that state, a walk doesn't necessarily energize us. It actually is hard work. Now there's a lot of other reasons for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, those are amazing, you know, indicators. And you're right. For me, that was... The fatigue is what drove me to find answers because my son had come to me. I think he was about six at the time and he came to me in the middle of the night. It was a single mom, you know, and his throat hurt and I literally couldn't get up. Like I sent, I sent him to the kitchen to get water and and told him to come back in But that was that moment of like, something's really wrong. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not how I parent. (laughs) Something's wrong. Because it wasn't like, oh, I'm tired. And I wish he hadn't woken me up. I mean, it was like my body was like, "Uh uh-uh. And so that's that. I call it the bone tired, you know, just deep, deep deep. And you're right. That is part of what leads to life getting smaller and smaller because, and I went through the same thing. I remember saying to, to my best friend, Several years into my autoimmune journey and my decline, and and, uh, I remember saying to her, "Well, I wonder if I have depression. Like, if you look at the checklist, yeah, you know, it's I have all these symptoms." And she said, "Okay, but do you feel depressed?" And I was like, "No."
2: (laughs) But a lot of people will start to feel depressed because they can't do those things. Of
1: course, of course. So, so I love that you hit on all of that. It's it's amazing. It, It really so
2: then what? <laughs> what do so, we do? <laughs> so that's a great question. So yeah. if you are experiencing this, so for a lot of people that are probably listening to it, they, they already know they have an They're autoimmune like, condition, Yeah. Right? right? But, but also too, there might be some people that are, that aren't necessarily caused by autoimmune. So we want to start ruling out and making sure that it's that autoimmune fatigue, or is it more like iron deficiency? Because if you're iron deficient, Now, and let's be honest here. There's some really interesting research that comes out on iron deficiency of like, so I'm up in Canada and our ferritin level range is shocking, shocking. It's now five to 200 and something, five to 200. Now the menstruating woman should be in around 75, but ferritin can also be really high if you have a lot of inflammation. Yep. So we want to take a look at the whole iron picture because if your iron's low, guess what it feels like? You're walking yeah. on a mountain. Yeah. Right. Well, you that's don't have oxygen like. in your blood. Exactly. So it so, makes it a little yeah. tough. It feels like you're, you're you're hiking on the top of a mountain. And if yeah. anyone's done that, that's exhausting. So you're so we want to make sure like iron is good, B12 is good, thyroid levels are great, optimal, you know, around 1 or 2 looking at the T3 and T4 to make sure your T3 is going and you're converting well. We want to look at dehydration. That is one that is so overlooked. Your muscles are juicy, 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 not beef jerky. So if you're dehydrated, guess what you're running around with? Beef jerky. Now, not Ah. to quite that extent, but that's where you store all your hydration. So we need to make sure that we're hydrated. We need to look at pharmaceutical interactions as well, because that could be a big one for a lot of people's fatigue certain pharmaceuticals deplete a lot of nutrients. So that's something, and that's something that I'm going to be hitting on social media more coming up is some of the nutrient deficiencies in with a lot of the medications, because if those are depleted, you need to restore those. And it's not about coming off the medications, but just making sure that you're getting adequate amounts. So those are some of the big ones. Hormones are going to be a factor in this as well. Hormones will play a big factor on your energy. A lot of women, especially if they're cycling, will notice a decrease in the second half of their cycle. So we just have to keep all of those things in mind. But if those are all coming back fairly normal, like check, 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 if they're not, optimize them, fix them, and then keep going, then we have to dive into, okay, well, why are we having this autoimmune fatigue? And there's three kind of main core concepts to that. So one of the very first ones, actually, you and I were talking about this before we even started. This is cell danger response to mitochondria. So the mitochondria is, this is essentially impacting every, almost every chronic disease out there and autoimmune being one of them. What happens is the mitochondria are in every single one of our cells, especially the muscle cells that produce the energy to give us that fire and go. And they're constantly producing energy. And one of the things that happens is when our body senses danger. So an increased inflammation, tissue damage, pollution, infection, What that mitochondria does, it says, well, I'm not going to produce energy. I'm going to use that ATP to now signal to the body, danger, danger, danger. So when it's using that ATP instead of producing energy for a signal molecule, guess what's going to happen? We're going to start to see changes in our energy levels. And that's the very first thing that happens with autoimmune. It's one of the consequences of the cell danger response. We see changes in energy. We see the blood getting thicker. So hypercoagulation. So guess what's going to happen? node like symptoms. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting proper circulation to your toes, to your fingers, to your brain, to your nose. All of that's getting compromised. So a lot of people, when they first have autoimmune diagnosis, they start to notice, okay, energy levels are low. Oh, now I've been given node syndrome or nodes of some sort, circulation issues. We start to see changes in cholesterol. We see changes in how we absorb and use uh, vitamin D, six methylation. So we see some big big changes that are happening as a consequence of that danger response. Big. Well. So <laughs> so we need so we can talk a little bit later about how do we fix that because there's there's a couple of other things that happen through this as well. So the cell danger response is one, okay? The other one that we look at is how we respond to stress, which mm-hmm. is linked kind of to the cell danger response. Sure. So we have this system called HPA, which is our hypothalamus pituitary adrenal system. And we all know that as cortisol. So everyone's like, Oh, stress cortisol. And now I have adrenal fatigue or adrenal, whatever, whatever, whatever term you want. to. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's kind of, it's not really adrenal fatigue, but it just, it, your body is tired. What they find with autoimmune is that the adrenal cortisol output is actually blunted. So meaning when you have a stressful event, what happens is you don't produce a lot of cortisol. So stress being the number one trigger for autoimmune, that cortisol essentially is what creates inflammation and puts the fire out. So the cortisol helps to put that fire out stop the inflammation. So it has pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory effects to it, but it has more of a fire. It's almost like a break to the autoimmune. But if we have a blunted HPA axis, or so blunted response to stress, we're not getting that break. So that's why a lot of people, that's why steroids are one of the first course of treatment is because it's putting that break to a much higher level. Right. Now, the other component to that is that, so you have your adrenals, but you also have your central nervous system. And that is a different pathway. That is a lot quicker than the adrenals. And what they're finding that people with autoimmune actually have a hyper-responsive So stress comes and we respond over the top. So instead of going from zero to 10, we go from zero to a hundred with our nervous system. And what we don't know is, or what I haven't seen the research and maybe it's out there. I just haven't, I have there's so much out there (laughs) (laughs) hours of the day. Maybe what we don't, what we don't know, or what I haven't seen is where are people starting? Are they actually starting at 50 or are they starting at one? Is their nervous system already heightened? And that's why they're getting that heightened response. So we see a blunted response with stress as a hormone response, but the nervous system is just up there ready to jump, like agitated. Well, which makes
1: so much sense because that's that you were talking about hitting the brakes before. That's how I would I would love to see the research too, but that's how I would think of it is we're running, running, running. So we're already up here nervous system wise and just then we explode.
2: So what would the third core reason be? So the third one is one I think we all know is inflammation. So when we have inflammation, we create more oxidative stress. Now we all know what oxidative stress is because we see it in the other, like in the real world, it's rusting, it's aging of fruits, why our avocados go brown, it's rusting of cars, and we have that internally. So it's just aging us quicker. So increased inflammation increases oxidative stress, oxidative stress increases inflammation, and inflammation and oxidative stress are both tied to fatigue, it's exhausting. It's our bodies working so hard to create all of these things, it can deplete us very quickly and, it, and it's aging. It's aging us from a genetic standpoint, from so many different factors is aging us quicker than we need to be. So that's the third one, which I think for a lot of people is no surprise. However, the research that came out in 2021, I can't remember the author, he was saying that is actually where a lot of the autoimmune research is starting to go is looking at some of the biomarkers for oxidative stress, which we there are a couple that we can measure. One of them that they're starting to investigate is LDL cholesterol. And like I said, remember with the cell danger response, cholesterol changes right. happen. So we're seeing that right at the very beginning. And maybe that's a marker that we can use potentially. I don't know. The research is coming out on that but that's where they're starting to go with some of the research for pharmaceuticals, which which makes sense
1: because cholesterol, you know, people, we think of cholesterol as this bad thing, but it's a healing molecule. And so if you're inflamed, you are going to produce more LDL cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Mine was through the roof forever. And I thought it was genetic. And you know, my, I remember my physician back in the day when I Started my recovery journey, my healing journey. She, after years of being, you know, so worried and wanted me on statins and this and that, and and she was like, "Oh my gosh, your cholesterol is way down." And I, I was like, "Yeah, well, I'm not as inflamed anymore." Yes. So it makes it does make perfect sense that that, that would be, you know, a, a place to to be looking mm. for sure. Yeah,
2: it's it's really interesting when you start to put the pieces together. And especially, and I think you and I are in a very privileged place where we get to see many clients and see the trends. Like yeah. if I got a dollar every time someone came in and said, I have Raynaud's, that was the <laughs> first thing that I had when before I got diagnosed with autoimmune. I'd yeah. be like, yeah, that makes complete sense now that I've put the puzzle together. So yeah, the more and more that we dive into it, research is really fascinating with where it's starting to go. One other thing too, that was really interesting is people with advanced childhood events, So trauma, and the trauma doesn't have to be like anything that we think of like, oh my goodness, that's like big T trauma, sexual abuse or something along those lines. It can be divorced parents, living with an alcoholic, having a family member incarcerated. That's where they're showing changes autoimmune. So the more ACEs, advanced childhood events you have, the higher risk you have of developing autoimmune, which also is really kind of, well, what, why, like it changes the way we respond to stress. It it creates it, it almost creates a perception of a scarier world, which is then going to be more stress on the body. So, I, and I I always I hate using the word stress because I feel like so many people roll, roll their so, eyes when they hear oh, I know it's so stress. overused, <laughs> but it's true. It, it's so true.
1: It is. It's it's just incredible. So, how do you help people determine? You know, what's driving this fatigue, or does it matter? Is it well? Do we there's take something the we same can do. steps?
2: No, stop. That's not why we have podcasts. There is so much that we can do with us. So the very first thing is, let's go back to that cell danger response. We want to see why is the body yelling danger, danger, danger. There may be ways that we can correct this. For some people, it just, it it may not be something that we can identify yet. But this is where functional testing is so fabulous is because we can dive in to see, well, what is irritating the body? So looking for infections, looking at toxic loads, toxins bind to receptors and make the organ look different. So then the body's like, or or also change the way the organ functions. And so these are all things that are triggering that cell danger response. So the more that we can identify what is causing it and the amount of dental things Mm -hmm. that I've seen cause Uh, this abscess, tooth abscess. Oh yeah. I had an infection for like three years that is like, a that is a little fire that's going on and affecting your entire body. And I want to
1: jump in with, with that too, because a lot of people have cavitation issues and they they haven't had pain. They're not aware of, they're that's like, true. well, yeah, I had a root canal 12 years ago, but it's fine. You know, it never bothered me. It's fine. And it's like,
2: oh, okay,
1: let's get it checked. <laughs>
2: because but also too, like that could have been the very initial point. That's sure. exactly it. like, even then, if yeah. it was bothering you then, so the interesting thing about research is showing that antibiotics are not a full eradication. Right. So antibiotics are, they're helpful if you have an infection. So if you've got a tooth infection, that root canal, which I'm sure they probably gave you antibiotics for, it's not a full eradication. So the research on the H. pylori triple threat is a 30% eradication. When you add certain things in, you can get 60. That's still not 100%. Right. So the infection's still there. But if you allow it to have the environment to grow and flourish, it's going to grow and flourish. But if you don't allow that environment, and that's where we're doing all these lifestyle changes, that's where working with you and myself are extremely valuable because we're preventing that growth of that bacteria. So that infection 12 years ago doesn't have to flare up again. Right.
1: But I have a client who never was aware there was an infection and she, you know, we had looked under all the other rocks and she finally went to a biological dentist And she Mm -hmm. called me on her way home. She goes, oh my gosh. She said I had like, literally, sorry, everyone. pus in like huge, you know, and, and, but she had no symptoms in that sense, just years of autoimmune challenges and extreme fatigue. And so, but her mouth felt fine. And so, you know, don't discount guys, if you've had procedures, dental procedures done and you don't think there was ever a problem doesn't mean there's not an infection
2: smoldering in there. For sure. Absolutely, especially low grade. And yeah. that's the other thing too about autoimmune is depending on how your immune shifts, it may never manifest to something massive. It just right. may be a smoldering little infection yeah. that's just like poking the bear, poking the bear. So yeah, so we want to identify those. We want to, we want to clear that up, remove that, clean up as much as possible because that's going to take us out of that cell danger response or at least quieten it down some. Then also too, and as a, as much as everyone's like, oh, here comes the stress conversation. No, <laughs> so we want to deal with stress. You can't, yeah, it's the number one cause of flares. It's the number one cause of a diagnosis. You have to yep. deal with it. And stress can come in forms of lack of sleep, right? Food you choose to eat, traffic that you may be driving in, There are so many different forms of how stress impacts you. One of the ways that I absolutely love, because I find for a lot of people, they don't understand how much stress is impacting them until we start measuring it. And that's the heart rate variability. So, you know, when I talked about that nervous system being spiked in autoimmune people. So there are so many devices out there that measure your heart rate variability. They also measure how you're recovering at night. There's watches, there's rings. You can actually go to HeartMath and buy a little little pulseometer, yep. and what it's measuring is the beats between or the time between your beats. So that's your central nervous system. That's giving a really good idea of how calm or how erratic and how you're responding to your environment. So, for example, every day you're driving home, if your central nervous system is spiking so high, and you start to see it on a measure of what, however you're measuring it, your heart rate's going up or your heart rate's changing. It may not be anything that you physically notice, but it will be picked up on a monitor. Then you need to deal with that. So maybe tra- Maybe you've got to find something to work from home. Because every time you get in that car and you're driving in traffic, it's spiking. One of the big ones I find is lack of recovery at night. Yes. So, and I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. If I stay up too late or if I haven't actually exercised. So for me, exercise isn't, is not anything past 80% of my heart rate. It will send me into a flare every time. So, but going for walks, going for slow, like weightlifting, keeping my heart rate within a certain zone. If I haven't done that, I don't recover the next day. Amazing. that so, you know yeah. that
1: I love, you know, we, I was laughing when you were like, yeah, we were talking about mitochondria earlier. We were, cause yeah. you know, I, we, I geek out on this stuff. I got into functional medicine through biohacking. That was how mm-hmm. I found functional medicine. And I love tracking. I, I even on vacation, <laughs> you know, it it is, it it really is. And it, but I, but I love, I want to highlight the one thing that, that it doesn't matter if you feel stressed out, you don't have to be walking around feeling like you're at the end of your rope to have stress be negatively impacting your health. And I see this over and over and over again, people will say to me, well, no, I'm not stressed. And then they tell me like, you know, what's going on in their life. And I'm like, well, I'm stressed. Like, come on. You know, the best is you can relate to this. Somebody, you know, uh, on her big list of and, and, and was her home was under construction and she was living in it. And I'm like, and you're not stressed. Sure. Okay.
2: You are. I think it's like, especially women. And this is what I always say is mentally, we can handle it, but physically we can't. Yeah. Like we can handle more mentally than we can physically, or at least we think we do. And it's also a lot of learned behavior. Like I look at what I was taught and how I learned from my mother is this is what you need to do to be a successful woman. And so I did it. And sure, I'm a successful woman, but at what cost, right? So that's where I've really had to take a look at my lifestyle and scale back. And uh, yeah, to your point, we don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel stress because I love it. I thrive off of it. So I actually need my devices to say, whoa, (laughs) Yeah. Time to take a chill. You need a weekend off or a day off, or you need to change, make some changes. Yeah, I so, love yeah.
1: that. I think that's, that's, I, of course, to me, there's so much gold in this conversation. But if this is the one piece everybody hears of, like, you know, some track it, look at it, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and labs, some people, feet, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, labs are, uh, boy, I use. You know, I love functional medicine labs and, and the amount of labs I do on myself is insane because I can. And so why wouldn't I, but so many, especially with autoimmunity, it, especially if they're not doing full functional panels and deep dive panels, mm-hmm. oh, your labs are great. Oh, your labs are great. And it's like, well, I you know that's one of the reasons I love doing toxin
2: panels. Cause at least yeah. then they can see like, your labs are oh my great. gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you know the one exactly. I find I always find this is what I see trending. So I I like to go back as far as I can on people's labs. So they're like, "Oh, you want like 10 years." I want like as far back as we can get. And I love watching the white blood cells because the white blood cells tell a really interesting story. And and medication will alter some of them, but white blood cells and red blood cells kind of give us an idea of what has been happening to the body over a period of time. You can see when they started medication, you can see like it's just amazing how many people have white cell, different trends in white blood cells. And there's, there's a lot of research to back this up in the autoimmune world, but it's just ignored a lot of the time because, oh, well, it's autoimmune. It's discounted. Yeah. But what is it telling us? It's either telling us you're extremely fatigued, your body's trying to fight something. Like there's a a really cool story that can happen with white blood cells. So I love, that's one of my favorite and the cheapest labs to run. Yeah. But you're not a geek either. (laughs) my morning reading research. So I do. I
1: do love it. It's but, it's uh, fantastic. Yeah. And again, it's such a contribution you're making. And we were discussing this before we hit record as well. This, you know, there's this lag in what we know and what we see that yeah. works and scientific research and, and it's coming, it's getting there mm-hmm. really slowly. And so this is why we have these conversations because that no, I, I really, my main purpose in life is for no, to get to a point where nobody is told there's nothing yes. you can do.
2: Yes. Cause yes,
1: I call BS. That's not true. And mm-hmm. so, and we share this same outlook. It's uh, people come to me cause they'll hear my story and they're like, well, you got off 10 medications. I, I want to get off my medications. And I'm like, no, let's get you feel it. Like my goal yeah. was never to get off my medications. It just happens as you know happened at least for me I I take thyroid hormone I work with people that feel like that's a failure. I feel amazing and my life is full and great and fantastic and I'm okay with that that's what well, I, I, I don't
2: there's there's a point too and I think this is where we need to change the definition of remission because I find that the people that are striving to be medicine free, Sometimes they are creating so much stress that right. it's actually a disservice. Yeah. Whereas if we just work on quality of life and how do I feel and see where we can get, yeah. you're probably going to feel a lot better, a lot quicker. And then who knows, maybe that is an option. Right. But I think if we're creating this much stress, like, and same, I, I do love the autoimmune paleo diet. It's one of the ones that I work with a lot but there's As certain do people I. that I'm like, this is too much stress for you and yes. send them into that opposite direction. Yep. So I think we need to really, and this is where it's not one, one thing fits everyone is looking at what is, what are your outcomes? Is it to like, what is your purpose? What is your, why, why do you want to achieve this? And does going medication free get you there? maybe but probably not and and the amount of destruction i have a lot of clients that come into my practice and they're like oh i took myself off medication i'm like oh we need Don't to have a
1: talk do that no <laughs>
2: please because sometimes too and actually it was this was just on a podcast interview that i just did sometimes it actually makes us the medication isn't effective again right so there's a time and place for it and for a lot of us I, as we just have to wrap our heads around and just change the way we look at it. If you're getting great quality of life with minimal side effects, if any, so for a lot of people, like I know when I was on desk kid, I actually had no side effects. It was just, I didn't need it anymore. My body kept telling, I was going into right. hyper, hyper, hyper. So, but it right. depends on how much damage has been done, how long the inflammation has been going on for yeah. there's so many variables, but yeah. yeah. We need to and I that was, I on.
1: was somebody that for years, probably four years, I would go to the rheumatologist and say, I think I have a thyroid problem. I think I have a thyroid problem. I think mm-hmm. I have a thyroid problem. And then finally several years in, you know, my, my TSH was off enough that she was like, yeah. okay, here you can have some level, you know, yeah. you should be happy with that, you know, medication number, God knows what it was at the time, but, and of course it didn't work. I don't convert. So yeah. <laughs> I right. for then so for years desiccated. was taking something that, that wasn't, you know, the right thing. And so it, it's but I so I love that you said that because I am all about having lived the life getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. My whole, you know, goal number one is eventually to, to keep this conversation going so that we get to a point where nobody ever hears that incorrect mm-hmm. that lie, you know, that that they can't heal. And then also just my daily in day to day, I want people to have the best, biggest, fullest lives they can yeah. and who, who cares what you need to be doing to get there really, yeah. you know, I if agree. that's, if that's what they want. So it's funny.
2: Uh, so I think some is hitting mainstream medicine, which is fabulous yeah, cuz cool. i'll get referrals being like go see this girl <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what she this does girl <laughs> who does something with leaky gut or she does diet stuff like it's just funny yeah. how i'm getting the referrals now from specialists that it, it it it's great it is great even specialists are saying you know why don't you try going gluten free for a little while and right. so it is starting to break through which is exactly what we need so we are going to see changes i think in the next 10 years with healthcare which is fabulous I um, totally agree. Yeah.
1: And this is why we do this. So yeah. it's, it, it has to. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the efficacy is there of our approaches. It's just that research is lagging behind. Totally.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> We're starting to identify that this is what's wrong. So then yeah. we need to start looking at, okay, now that this, we know that this is what's wrong. How can we then make the changes? And that's where the research is going to start coming. We're already starting to see it come out. Yeah. Um, and we have,
1: I mean, if you even just look at the AIP studies yeah, that have been done, is. you know, it's so exciting and I, I, I'm with you, you know, I'm an AIP coach as well. I don't, I, I, it's a framework. I don't use one thing with everybody. And so, but, but the research is starting yeah. to, to come out and, and starting to come up. So for me, I want to like tie a bow on the biggest Mm -hmm. takeaway, if you will, in the conversation that I want people to hear is it's not in your head. Like if you have fatigue, whether it's autoimmune fatigue or not, one of the first things I ask people is like, do you wake up energized in the morning? Because that whole, I was listening to, to studies about people that sleep. 12 hours or more, you know, as a a factor, you know, that that's bad for your health. And I'm like, no, but why are they sleeping 12 hours or more? It's not the sleep that's bad. It's the, that whatever's driving that fatigue under there. And how many of them
2: have been tested for sleep apnea? That's a right. conversation we didn't even have. I know, well, and is- I,
1: I had the thought when we were talking yeah. about about iron and oxygen, and you know, the brain. We 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 need oxygen when we sleep, also. Mm-hmm. And everybody that we've sent to to be tested when we get to that point, and and it's like, okay, well, you haven't explored this. We should look. Everyone's a yes, they all mm-hmm. have. And, and all feel so much, shockingly, so much better when they have oxygen throughout the night. It's incredible.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. There's, and there's a lot of things to rule out before you get to that point of like, well, what do we do? But absolutely, also, one of the things that you had mentioned is the AIP diet. Like that's the quickest way I, this is why I love it. It's the quickest way to reduce inflammation. And so then you can see what other areas still need some attention. Once you've kind of successfully got on the AIP for, you know, 30 to 90 days. So you can then take a whole inventory of, did your sleep improve? Did this improve? Did that improve? And just really see what else is kind of missing. Is there underlying infections, hormone imbalancing? That's the thing. If you may, if you're
1: coming from kind of a standard diet Mm and you go as far as AIP or even... Down, I mean, really the but even less than that. But if you're doing a full AIP and your needle's not really moving, yeah, you you really need to do some digging for sure. Mm-hmm. And I and that's that same thing. We start there as well because you know, I I would love to say to my clients, you know, I want to order all the tests and let's just look under every rock right now. Yes. But most of us don't have the thousands and thousands of dollars that that would cost, and, and so even they don't give you all the
2: answers, right? Yeah. Like they're still they're looking at a select number of things. Like if you yeah. traveled and picked up a bug, you know, somewhere around the world, right? That's not a common one. It's not going to be picked up. So yeah, yeah.
1: So this may be a difficult thing to answer.
2: Okay, I'm ready.
1: <laughs> what is one step? there's the difficult part that listeners can take today to start to improve their health.
2: I think start, start understanding how your body's responding to your environment. I think that's probably the biggest one, just because we know that that the the central nervous system is such a big part. It controls the vagus nerve. It controls, and the vagus nerve is actually one of the biggest. We didn't even touch on that. That's another whole aspect of this big puzzle of, But working
1: Um, on your
2: HRV will do that. So understanding your HRV, your heart rate variability. So whether you need to buy a device, whether you just start incorporating some deep breathing, some nature walks, all of those things that bring your whole central nervous system down throughout the day, not just once, but throughout the day. So you do it in the morning and then you go ramp yourself right back up for the next 12 hours. It's not going to be helpful. So doing it, I like to do it at the beginning, at the end of your day, bring your body down, throughout the day is even better, but that, I think that's the biggest takeaway is to seeing how your body's responding to your environment.
1: I love that. That is definitely worthy advice and you handled it better. A lot of, I was like, oh, what is she going to pick? There's so many things. So, so many things. Yeah. before we wrap up, where's the best place for listeners to find you? If they listen, like I do, which is on the go, you know, to give so, them a
2: yeah, I've been doing a few more Instagram lives, so you can catch me at Dr. Allison Danby, or you can catch my podcast, Automune and Simplified. So I've got a couple of different series on there throughout, and we're going to have you on there at some point very soon. And so, to it. yeah, oh, I can't wait to hear our conversation. But uh, yeah, those are the two best ways probably to catch me and to learn more. Allison,
1: thank you so much. You have shared amazing gold with us today.
2: Oh, I'm so thank you for having me. I love sharing this kind of stuff. Yay. For everyone listening, remember,
1: you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will see you all next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, Just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.